Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Coffee Chug. I hope you are doing fabulous on this wonderful day. Hey, in this episode, we are going to take a look at some things that can help you with your classroom as well as your personal life. And what we're going to be talking about here is decluttering. Um, as many of you know, I've been hosting and running a declutter learning challenge where in order to enhance our learning spaces where we teach, we need to remove things from the past to allow us to see new ways for the future. And so I have reached out to some amazing authors and declutter experts um, in the actual field of decluttering and in the minimalist lifestyle approach. And this person here, Dana K. White, is phenomenal. Her book is amazing. Her ideas are quite helpful. And for me, the biggest takeaway was her whole entire container concept. So I hope you enjoy this episode. You're going to love it. So many great nuggets for you to think about, not just for your classroom or your learning space, but also for your space back at home, in which I call that the carryover classroom, if you've been part of the challenge, where you know we take our stuff home and it starts to manifest itself in our offices, in our basements, in our living rooms, on our kitchen tables. And, and everything else. So before we jump into the episode, as always, I, I do appreciate you guys so much, but I would love it if you could help spread the word. Take a screenshot of the podcast on your phone and share it on social media. Let, let people know that you're listening to it. It's the greatest thing that you can do for us to get this message out, spread it so others can, can be aware that this work is happening. All right, guys, this is Coffee Chug, and let's dive in to the declutter learning information with Dana. K White. Chaos. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs. Talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug and I'm here with another edition of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And in this episode, we're stepping away from some of the, the classroom approaches or strategies, but something that's going to be incredibly useful for all of us to consider. And that is thinking about our learning spaces and with more intention on decluttering our learning spaces. And so if we can remove some of the excess we can start to create new learning pathways for ourselves and for our students. And so um, in this particular episode, I have an amazing guest. I came across her work because I was trying to upgrade my own skill set on decluttering. And she has a, an amazing book that's out. Well, she's got a couple books out, but she, her newest book is Decluttering at the Speed of Life. And she's got an amazing website and podcast, and she just kind of does it all. And so um, I want to introduce Dana to the podcast. And Dana, um, for those that don't know who you are, um, could you you take some time to kind of explain who you are and uh, what you do. So I'm Dana K. White. I like to put the K in there because, you know, some people know Dana White as being someone <laughs> other than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's usually the men that know, although plenty of women do as well. But, you, you know, go. that's the founder of the UFC. That's not me. Um, but I um, am a decluttering expert. I own that title, although I came by it the hard way. Um, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be writing books about decluttering or home management or anything like that, I would have laughed and laughed and laughed because that 
that was like the one thing that I thought, well, that's the thing I'm horrible at. So why would I ever in a million years write about that? But um, so I started out in 2009 doing what I thought was a practice blog um, just to try to get my own house under control because it, it was such a disaster. And a big part of that was the, the clutter that I had built up through, you know, having an eBay business and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, through that process and writing about it every day, you know, for one thing, I found out there were a lot of people who struggled the way that I did. And, um, but I also figured out, you know, what worked specifically for my unique brain. And a big part of that was realizing that one of the reasons that traditional organizing advice had not really worked for me was that, um, I have a very different brain from the brain of the traditionally organized person. <laughs> so, um, I just kind of learned to accept my own quirks and say, okay, well then what does work for me? And through that, I've come up with strategies that it still amazes me, um, work for a lot of people. So I've kind of, you know, I feel like my, I was a teacher, um, before I, you know, had kids and stayed home with my kids. Um, you know, so I feel like teaching is, in me. It's my passion. It's my, you know, it's the thing I'm actually gifted at. And so, um, I'm able to, you know, take what I've learned and teach that to other people. So that's, that's kind of where my expertise comes in and what's led to the books. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. I know when I came across and I started reading your book, um, I found myself just kind of laughing out loud, just like with your, your sense of humor and really just, just keeping it grounded in reality. Because I think some of the other things that I was reading just didn't seem practical. Um, I think when we talk about decluttering, especially for an, for an educator, really anyone that's trying to figure this out is the goal isn't to necessarily get to this minimalist lifestyle. We know as a classroom educator, and you know that when you were in the classroom, you can't get rid of everything and not have anything to use with kids. So there has to be this, this happy medium balance. Um, exactly. And one of the things that you talk about in your book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life, was you had the, the, the idea, I don't know if it's really a philosophy, but this idea about containers. And so I didn't know, I mean, obviously people can read the book, but could you dive into that a little bit? Because when I think about a classroom, as I was reading that, I was thinking like, man, my classroom or my workspace, like it's just a massive container. <laughs> it's almost reminding me, like I was drawing this graphic of like nesting dolls. Like I have this, my classroom is my container and then I've just got all these more and more and more and more and more and more containers. Um, so I didn't know if you could kind of dive into that a little bit about about your thoughts around that kind of container philosophy for a lack of a, a better term there yeah well I call it the container concept and it's it's kind of um, me diving into and explaining what when I look at it I think okay how was this not obvious to me before right <laughs> because it's like oh but you know basically what it boils down to is people um Organized people love containers. So I always thought containers are the answer to my lack of organization. And so I would buy containers thinking this is going to be the thing that's going to help me get organized. I would bring them home. My spaces never looked like the spaces of these organized people who loved containers so much. And so I didn't understand what am I doing wrong? And then because I talk to myself all the time, uh, you know, as I was working on a space one day, I'm just talking to myself as a container container. I, <laughs> it just hit me that the word container, you know, the root word of that is contain, which means to limit, you know, to place a boundary on, you know, similar to if a fireman is 
working on a fire, their first thing that they have to do is to contain that fire, to create these boundaries that, you know, if, if they can keep the fire within those boundaries, they're going to be okay. But if the fire goes outside of those boundaries, that's when we have, you know, wildfires, major destruction, really bad things happen. So um, when I started to realize, or when I realized it was really just kind of a light bulb moment, I just said, okay, so containers are actually meant to be a limit as opposed to just a place to put things. So the way I used to operate was I would, you know, I would look at somebody else's space, you know, and say, okay, they've got a really cute red bucket for their crayons. And so I would buy a red bucket. I would come home and I would go to put my crayons in a red bucket and I would have, you know, 700 crayons left over after I had (laughs) filled the red bucket. And so I was like, well, what's wrong with me? You know, why is it that this works for them and it doesn't work for me? This isn't fair because that's how my brain goes. And, you know, I'd go buy two more red buckets. And as I did that, um, you know, I would come home and then I would fill those red buckets and I would still have a few left over and I'd just pile it on top. And then I would try to put those on the shelf and they wouldn't fit on the shelf. And I would be like, oh, this isn't fair. You know? yeah, <laughs> so I'd yeah. buy more shelves, you know, I'd buy more shelves and then I would, um, you know, my room would be full of shelves. I wouldn't have any room for any more shelves. And I would think, okay, well, obviously we need a new house. And, you know, and so that, that's, <laughs> I mean, I'm being, over the top, except that that's basically how exactly how my brain worked. You know, I just kept thinking, well, if, if I fill this one up and I still have more left over, I just need to go buy another container or I need to add more to it. Instead, when I realized that, um, the root word of container is contain and it's purpose, it's actual purpose to limit and that the people who are using them correctly are letting them be limits as opposed to just putting stuff in them. Then, it freed me to declutter completely differently because instead of saying, does this item have value? You know, is this broken crayon valuable? Of course it's valuable. I mean, you know, especially for teachers, we know that the broken crayons still color. I mean, you know, come on, that's like, that's the (laughs) nice way to look at everything. But the reality is I, even though this crayon totally has value, can totally still be used, I simply don't have the space. It's not my, it's not me, you know, rejecting that crayon. It's simply a matter of space. And when I let myself say, okay, this is the amount of space that I have for crayons. I can fill it with my favorite ones first. And by the time it's full, I've already sorted out the best ones that I want to keep. And it's no longer this emotional, what if, I need to analyze all these 700 other crayons. Instead, it's just, okay, well, you know, these are the ones that um, get to stay because, you know, they're container worthy, basically, is is the way I look at it. So, um, you know, that that that's kind of the very basic way, but it really carries out to everything. So, you know, I started looking at all containers as limits, but I also started looking at every shelf as a container, every closet as a container, every... Um, room itself as a container. So like you were saying, you know, your classroom is a container and within that is other containers. So, cause I think part of the issue, especially for teachers, I know when I was teaching is I see the potential and the possibility in everything, yes. you know, other people see trash. I'm like, Oh no, that's not trash. <laughs> you know, that could, that could be the thing, you know, that would make a difference for that one kid or whatever. So it's like, 
I see the possibilities and the potential and possibilities and potential are endless, but my space is not endless. It's finite. And so when I shifted and said, okay, I'm gonna let my space determine what I can keep and can't keep, then it just took that pressure off of me to say, I'm not giving up on this item. I'm simply just accepting the limitations of the space that I have. Yeah. And when I did that, yeah, when when I live within the container, then things don't get out of control. Right. And so as you think about those containers, because I'm listening in, I'm like, man, it just makes so much sense. And 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 in my head, I was going, okay, but I could jump on Amazon, right? And I could find a container to contain, as you said, like all the potential usefulness. And so um, I know every situation is different, but I like that idea about about the the finite space that we have in in our classrooms or in our homes or wherever it is that we're trying to declutter. And so what have been some strategies that like you've used in your journey you know, I guess the idea being if I've got 700 red crayons, which I probably probably actually have that in my space right now, you know, what do I do so I don't buy a container for 700 crayons? But like, oh, I found the container. Like, how do you work through that that mental struggle? Because I think we're that we're that that hard decision making is just as you said. Like, we can see that potential. Like, oh, that one little broken crayon, I could use that one day. You know, and right. so how have you shifted? Uh, your your mindset into I guess smaller containers or more practical containers as opposed to I'll just buy these huge juggernaut containers and I can just save everything. Well, I think you know it's important to like you know in decluttering at the speed of life, I have a five step decluttering process. Now the first three steps are all ones that yes they're there in order to keep me on track when I get overwhelmed and I go, oh, I don't know what to do. Okay. I just go to the next step, but I can also work them at the same time, you know? Right. So it is the, the fifth step is the step where I implement the container concept. So there's a whole lot of decluttering to do before you even get to that, before you even need to worry about it. So instead of trying to figure out the problem, which is where my brain wants to go. And that that's one of those things to remember is that um, organizing is problem solving. You know, and I purposely separate decluttering and organizing. You know, one of the things I like to tell people is I'm giving you permission to not get organized. You know, just tell yourself I'm just going to declutter because when I tell myself that, then I'm able to just go ahead and get started. And there is a lot that I can do before I ever have to worry about the actual limits of my space because most likely in the midst of all those wonderful ideas, there's also trash. There's also stuff that when I actually start to touch things and go through it, I go, well, of course I was going to get rid of this three years ago. I don't know why I've moved it from classroom (laughs) to classroom or whatever. You know, I mean, that's just reality. And so don't start with the problem solving and the thinking it through instead start with the easy stuff. So like step one is trash, get a black trash bag so that you can't see what you're putting inside of it and change your mind later, you know, and just start, yeah. yeah. (laughs) yeah, And just start throwing away the trash because there's trash, you know, there is there, there just simply for a fact is or recycle bin if you have it or whatever. So as you start to do that, you're going to reduce the overall volume of the mess. um, And then, you know, go with the easy stuff, things that, for some reason ended up piled on your desk, even though they actually have a home somewhere else in the classroom, you know, start working through those things. And as you do that, you're going to eliminate a lot of stuff until you get down to, okay, these are all 
actually the things that I actually need in my classroom. And when you get down to that, then that's when you implement the container concept. And the best way to do that is, okay, I've already eliminated the things I for sure don't need, but now I have a thousand crayons. Okay. What's the space that I have for crayons in my classroom? That's, you know, already established. I've been bringing things here as I ask myself the two decluttering questions, you know, what's the space that I have and then fill that space with your favorite ones first and let that space be the defining thing. Now, as a teacher, you're probably going to know, you know, pretty realistically that crayons are the thing I need a ton of, you know, that depending on what age level you're working with, you know, this is the thing that I do need more of than other things, but you're going to have kind of worked through that as you went through, um, just the, just the decluttering, just the getting rid of stuff and working through things that you, you really don't need. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And as you're working through that too, I know I was listening to, um, a podcast that you did with one of your friends and uh, her name escapes me here at the moment. Um, and you guys were talking a lot about, about paper. And I know as we're kind of working through this, our own little challenge that we have going on currently at the recording of this podcast, you know, I think paper is a, a monster issue that so many of us have, whether it's stacks of paper or kid examples or just notes and scribbles and things like that. And so, um, as, as, as people are trying to wrap their head around that because it seems to be a reoccurring theme that people are trying to kind of deal with um, and I don't know that paper necessarily I mean unless we're talking like paper for materials isn't necessarily you know you put this cram it all in a, in a container so to speak how have how, what would you suggest for people trying to wrap their head around that? Because I think what, what happens is like, oh, I want to hold on to this, this student piece or the student artwork that a kid gave me from seven years ago, or I want to hold on to these 75 student examples in case I do this project again. And we just start to amass this huge collection of, of, of paper. Um, and so I know not everything is always material specific, but I feel like, especially for teachers and, and probably even the yeah. same thing as, as parents, I'm looking around in, in my basement and we got these bins of all this arcade kids art artwork and papers and report cards and we're like I mean yes it's nice to have but it's like why we're never going to look through this 80,000 pile high stash of papers you know right. and so um what what are some ideas I, I around think, that well you know again <laughs> as I always say <laughs> almost every answer that I give comes down to the container concept because okay. it really does change everything so if you sure. think about it you go okay these are you know you have to have the stuff in your classroom to to deal with the things that you're teaching right now, right? So I know you're spe- it can apply to everything, but you're specifically asking about, you know, things from the past that might be useful one day. Right. So you have the space for the required things that are getting used on a regular basis, but you do want to have some of these things from the past, you know, to show as examples or whatever. Um, you know, designating a container space and remembering that a container does not have to be a plastic tub. It can be a, a drawer. It can be a, you know, one certain file cabinet, whatever it is, but that space, if it is, you know, if you can give up that amount of space and still be able to do what, cause you know, the right now deserves priority over anything from the past, you know, what to be able to live the life and teach the things that you need to do, um, that deserves priority. So, you know, what can I designate for stuff from the past? And then to remember that as you fill that container, as you purge down to the limits of that container, which a lot of times, uh, well, the first part 
of that step in my decluttering process is to consolidate. So, you know, putting like things together um, will naturally help me go, oh, yeah, I thought I needed 75 examples and 25 of these are basically exactly the same. Right. You know, they had their own value five years ago, whatever, right. when I was so proud of these kids for doing this. But realistically, one of these is going to have the same impact as keeping all five of them. You know, so that consolidating and putting like things together, that is a great way to just naturally help you see what, um, what needs to go or what can go, you know, and then as you fill up the container to remember that the way that you continually live within the limits of the container is the one in one out rule, which I had heard from organized people, but I never knew what that meant. What that means is as something um, like, let's say that you have the perfect set of, you know, one, I don't know, basket full. I'm just making up words here. One <laughs> basket full of examples of this project that's your kid's major project for the year. Okay. So, sure. you know, this, I love having this basket full of examples. And then you have kids rock that same project. And you're like, oh, well, these should be examples. Well, the reality is you only have that amount of space for your classroom to actually stand or control consistently. You have that amount of space and it's already full. So all you have to do is go, okay, what in this existing basket full of old projects is less container worthy than these new ones? Okay. So you say out of these new ones, I really want to keep these five. Okay, then what in the basket, what five in the basket, it doesn't have to be from the same project, but anything that creates enough space for those five new ones to come in, what five are less container worthy than this? And so you just one in, one out those things, and that keeps that equilibrium equilibrium going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, that so makes, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how you maintain decluttering progress, because that's one of the huge frustrations is I would declutter, declutter and think, oh, good. And then life just kept happening and more stuff kept coming in. And I was like, OK, well, now I'm back where I was before. How does this even happen? And instead to realize, OK, it's space for space. Everything that comes in has to have an actual space, which means that something else has to come out. And maybe it's this new project that you did. And you're like, well, wow, I'm going to start doing this project every single year. And I need a place now for these examples. And it doesn't have to be that you replace exact thing for exact thing, but you go, I need a space for this. Oh, here's the stuff over here that I've actually not used in the last three or four years. I'm going to remove it, even if it's supplies, it doesn't even have to be papers. I'm going to take that out and create the space for this new stuff that I want to keep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's so important. I know I've been working with some teachers and I, I and I really like that kind of framework. I guess it's, it's what I was trying to, I, I kind of had my own light, light bulb moment there. I do a lot with librarians and maker spaces are huge right now. And so part of that is trying to have all these consumable materials. So taking the idea of cardboard, people will put out requests and they'll just get a, just a massive amount of like discarded cardboard, which is great to have on hand, but it, it, I, it's, it's like a virus. I would say it's kind of like glitter. Like once you start, it's just like everywhere and you can't escape it, you know? And so it's like, right. I like that idea of, okay, here's the space for my cardboard. And once it's full, like I'm not accepting anymore, you know? And that idea right. of like, you'll be okay. Like we, you, you're always going to be able to find like, if, if people are willing to give you all this cardboard now in another three or four months, guess what? Those same people probably have more cardboard to give you. So it's not like you have right. to hoard it all and in, in, in thinking that it's 
like you're going to run out of this material in the long run. So I like that like one in one out kind of philosophy like that. That just makes a lot more sense than than what we were trying to we were trying to achieve that. We just didn't have the the visual or the or, or the, the vocab to go with it. So I was like, yes, that's 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 exactly what we need to be doing. Well, and teachers are creative. I mean, that's that's really just part of a good teacher's brain, you know, is that they're creative and creativity and clutter are very linked. Yes. You know, it, it, it hap- you know, you end up with more clutter when you can see the potential and the possibility in stuff that other people would just get rid of. And so, you know, it, it's learning how to fight that, but not fight it in a way of, oh, well, I can't have extra poster board left over. You know, I can't, I can't keep these scraps of, of poster board. Instead it's okay. I can totally keep it. I just have a finite space where I can keep it. And so if somebody brings me amazing poster board, I can totally keep that. I just have to get rid of something less amazing to create that space for it. Yeah. I like that. And, and, and so as, as, as we talk about that, I think what, what, what an easy escape route is for, for all of us, whether we're educators or not, is like right now, and as we're trying to declutter, we call it the carryover classroom. So even on the weekends, our goal is to still be decluttering. And the idea of a carryover classroom is we still have our classroom. It's in our car. It's in the trunks. It's in our office space at home. It's on our dining room table. It's in our living room. Like we just are our, our our, our job just kind of manifests itself everywhere. And so, and, and I know you talk about this in the book and you'll probably go right back to your, your, your five-step approach because it works on all these things. And so um, as, as people are trying to work through that and trying to keep that, that mind frame of, of a finite space, like if this is a space that I have for it and no more, how do, how do you help people not just spread the wealth everywhere? You know what I mean? Like, it, cause it's easy to go, okay, I've got these projects. Yes, I know I should maybe down Downsize, but I have some room in my garage at home, you know, and next thing you know, you've got, you just got the, the crap everywhere. It's in everywhere you look. And then that becomes overwhelming and stressful and, and all that kind of stuff. And so what are some tips or pointers to help people not just cram it all over the place? Well, I think that, um, you know, I think it's important to just realize that you can keep whatever you want to keep. Like, and, and that to me, that's the beauty of looking at my spaces as containers, looking at my spaces as finite is it is not a matter of, um, you know, I shouldn't have this or whatever. It's, 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 I want to have this stuff. This stuff is important to me. Um, you know, I mean, we're not talking necessarily about work-life balance right here. We're just talking about stuff and space. So, you know, but if if you want to have that stuff in your space, then it deserves in in your home, then it deserves a space. Um, so, you know, start with decluttering other things. Maybe it's, you know, if you're going to have decluttering energy that hits you at home, and you know for a fact that you want to have, you know, a, a designated space for um, the stuff from your classroom, that's fine. Work on other stuff. Work on the stuff that doesn't stress you out. Work on the stuff that you've been meaning to purge or get rid of. And as you do that, you're either going to – one of two things will happen. Either you'll decide, wow, I really like having open space in my home, so now I don't feel quite as um, attached to these things that I thought I needed to give a space, you know, and so it'll change your perspective on that stuff. Or you're going to actually free up some space where you go, oh, 
I have a whole cabinet here that I hadn't looked in in two years. It's got stuff in it that I don't care about at all. I'm willing to get rid of that. And now I have a nice, you know, actual designated space where I can put, um, you know, the, the stuff that I want to bring home and, you know, have when I am able to work on it on the weekend or in the evenings or whatever. So, um, I think it's really important to realize sometimes we just get paralyzed and stuck kind of thinking about the one thing that just pops in our brain when we start to think about clutter and to realize that there's a whole lot of other easy stuff that's going to make your home and your life and your classroom function a whole lot better and build that momentum that you need and change your perspective. If you'll just focus on that other stuff first, that isn't, you know, so traumatic to think about. Right. Right. I love it. And I think that's key. Like the idea here, just as you said, it's not, that we have to get rid of every single morsel. It's not that we have to go and be live this bare bones lifestyle. Uh, we have to evaluate what's important to us and, and what's not and, and kind of work through those, those, those thought processes to figure out how we're going to make the best use of our situations and using, you know, the container concept that, that you've talked about time and time again, which I think this makes so much sense. Cause I think anytime we talk about decluttering, some people, almost kind of freeze up thinking like, oh, I have to get rid of everything. And it's like, that's not, that's not it. But what can we remove that can ease the, the stress and anxiety that we sometimes feel when we can't find what we're looking for? Or we every time we walk into a room, it's just a, a huge mess. And we, you know, we just want to keep escaping it. And it just kind of keeps consuming us. And so I think those, those ideas are so important that, that, that you're sharing and so helpful as people are just trying to continue to wrap their head around how do I get to these, these livable spaces that, that make us comfortable and, and, and happy as, as, as people? Um, right. And like you said, key, key phrase there, be able to find the things that you need when you need it. You know, I mean, that's, that's everything. And when it's piled in with a bunch of other maybes and possibilities, you know, that, and you can't find what you need, that's where the real frustration and that paralysis sets in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I want to be respectful of your time because I know you're you're very busy with all the work that you do. And so as we kind of wrap this this conversation up here, are, are there any like beginner tips or just ideas or anything that you would like to share that we didn't get a chance to touch on? I mean, you have such a, a wealth of resources and ideas and, and material available for anyone looking to get started. But is there anything that you want to make sure that, that the listener um, – can, can focus on or are here, here as we, as we can kind of wrap this up. Sure. Um, I, I do want to, you know, say my number one game changer of everything that I do, um, which I'm not sure that it's a quick tip, but no, you're fine. You're fine. Go for <laughs> but, it. But, um, you know, the number one frustration that people have about decluttering is that they feel like every time I try to declutter, I end up making a bigger mess. And, uh, because generally, you know, the traditional organizing advice is to pull everything out of a space and just put back what you need or what fits or whatever. Um, I don't do that. So, you know, because that was my number one frustration and I had so much clutter that, um, you know, I, I couldn't afford to put myself in that situation that would, you know, make me give up before I was finished. Um, you know, some people call it the one touch rule, but I think of it in, you know, my key phrase, which is take it there now. So as something is pulled out of a space, I pull one item by one item out of a space as I'm decluttering and I make a final decision about it. So it either goes in the trash. If it's an obvious donation, it goes in the donate box. Um, or I take it where it goes right then. Okay. And my two decluttering questions, like will help you know where it goes, you know, so that you can answer that question. Yeah. But the, 
you know, because keep boxes and keep piles um, sound like a great idea. They sound like a much more efficient way to declutter, but they are just procrastination stations. You know, they're just places where um, I can leave something indefinitely. I don't have to make a final decision. I know I want to keep this. I don't know what to do with it. I'm just going to stick it in the keep box. And then I end up with a pile with a box full of random stuff that's then weighing on me as something I need to declutter down the road again, you know? Yeah. And so, um, that, you know, going ahead and acting on it when you know where something goes, which, you know, for me is the first place where I would actually look for it. If I was going, where's that paper on such and such, you know, wherever is the first place where I would go to look for it. That's, that's its home. Okay. And I take it there right then even though it feels inefficient, which I mean, if you're in your classroom, you're not walking that far anyway, but it feels less efficient. But the reality is at any point in my decluttering process, if I get distracted, which that's just the reality for me personally, and for most people is life happens, I get distracted. If I've been taking things to their home immediately, then I'm never stuck in the middle of the process. And I've only made progress. Okay, so the space is only better off than it was before because there's nothing waiting to be done later that I can get pulled away from and then it just ends up being a bigger mess. So that key thing right there, and I know some people are going, what are she even talking about? But <laughs> I'm just like, that right there is a game changer. It's a game changer for, um, it was a game changer for me personally. And um, I hear from people every single week who are like, I really thought that that couldn't possibly be the right way to do it. And then I finally tried it and it changed everything. So I think knowing that I'm not procrastinating, not, you know, even though it seems more efficient to make the piles or stick it in a keep box, it's not, you know, you're only going to actually make progress if you just go ahead and take things immediately to where they go. And then you get more steps if you're wearing a Fitbit. So, you yeah. know, Hey, Oh, there you go. It's a two for one <laughs> punch there. <Hey>. Exactly. <laughs> and then your, your yeah. Apple watch doesn't start buzzing at you to stand up and start moving around, you know, when you, when you've been sitting all day. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's, it's, yeah. that, that's so great. And that's what I love about your, your philosophy and your approach to this decluttering is it's, it's so practical and it just makes sense. I think for the, the, the average person living through these struggles of how do I make this work? Um, because you, you can go on, on Pinterest, you can go on Google and you see these, these stories of people who magically transform their whole entire life upside down in, in, in a weekend. And it's just like, there's no way I could ever do that. And so that's what I, I love so much about your work. It's effective. And yet it still kind of keeps the balance of us to all just be, you know, if there's such a thing as well, normal, you know, like, it's, right. like well, we, and, can, we and, can do this. Well, exactly. And with the taking it there right now, because I'm only making progress, I'm not going to be finished with this space in five minutes, but I can work for five minutes. I can take five minutes and throw away trash, take things to their already established homes or ask myself the first decluttering question and figure out where I would look for it first and take it there now. And then because I'm never making a bigger mess. I can actually do this for five minutes before the kids get back to the classroom. Yes. You know, I mean, I can do this for an hour if the kids are all working on something and, um, you know, because I'm only, I, I don't have to really think beyond where this one item goes and, yes. and I'm making actual, real, sustainable, continual progress as opposed to 
what I used to do, which was think, okay, well, someday when I have five hours with no interruptions, that's when I'm going to get to this project. You know, right, and when does right. that ever happen? Never. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah, I like that. And it's, I mean, and that's what's so practical about it. It's not like, you know, the bell rings and all of a sudden I've got four piles laid out in the middle of my room and now I got to go, you know, move them off to the cycle. I've got 30 kids coming in. It's, it's taking that exactly. one thing at a time being active right there in the moment and doing something with it, which is we can all do that. Like that's the, the key takeaway. Right. There's really no excuses to not be able to do that. Um, right. So that, 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 that's just so helpful. So, so Dana, um, you've got this amazing book. I'll make sure I link it in the show notes along with your blog, but people listening in, they want to learn more about you and what you do and, and all the ideas that you share. Where can people reach out to uh, find all your work and, and everything that, that you're doing to teach people that this is actually possible? Well, my website is called A Slob Comes Clean. Which I love, by the way. I just love it. <laughs> That's also the name of my podcast. So, uh, yeah, like I said, it was anonymous in the beginning. It was supposed to just be a practice thing. And here we are nine years later. Um <laughs> Anyway, so, it, yeah, I mean, that's basically where I am. You know, slobcomesclean.com slash book is where you can find my two books. And um, just find me all over the Internet as a slob comes clean. Well, I, I so appreciate you taking time to chat with me today. This has been so helpful. And anyone listening again, I think these are such practical tips for us to to use and implement. And, and for anyone listening in, as, as you go in and experiment with these these ideas and tips and check out her materials we'd obviously love to hear from you and see how, how it's turning out for you and uh dana k white uh thank you so <laughs> much for uh taking time to uh, chat with me today thanks it's been fun <laughs>